All right, with all that being said, we continue our series. This is part six. This is week six of the I and team where we look at what we as individuals can do to help support our team. And today we're going to be looking at common goals. But first I want to give you a definition. Purpose. The definition of purpose. Purpose is defined as the reason for which something is done, created, or for which something exists as a verb to be purposed or to purpose something means that you make it your intention or objective. In short, very short, it's a determined goal. It's a, it's a determined goal. Now, successful teams strive off determined goals that are common goals, goals that they share with one another. Now, this week goes hand in hand with week one, which if you remember, we talked about clear direction. And the challenge for me today is to give you something different than what I gave you week one, because these are two different things, clear direction and common goals, but the lines between the two are often blurred. But I want us to look at it sort of like a road trip, a road trip, right? If our clear direction is our ending destination, then the common goals would be the different steps along the way that we take to get there, or the path in which we would travel to reach our destination. Common goals help support your direction. And so today I thought that we would look at the process behind creating goals. But in order to do that, we need to look at what our clear direction is because, as I just stated, common goals support that direction. So if you'll remember all the way back to week one, as I tried to summarize and and get down to a, a short statement of what our clear direction is, this is what we came up with. We choose second so that others can be first and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether it's the first time they're introduced to Jesus and they start that relationship, or they are continuing to build that relationship and strengthen it. So we choose second so that others can be first and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we want our common goals to support our end game, right? If we're traveling to Florida, it would make no sense to go 44 West towards Oklahoma. Some of you have probably done that, because you knew a shortcut and 50 hours later you finally made it to your destination we're going to look at a couple of verses today two of them which are in proverbs one in chapter 16 one in 19 if you have your bible app or your bible that's old school if you have paper and words and ink you can open that or you can just look up at the screen because it will be there but proverbs 16 9 says in their hearts humans plan their course but the lord establishes their steps 1921 is similar. It states, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What can we learn from these two short verses? First, successful goal construction and completion takes God's sovereignty into account. Now, I, oh, we got him up there. So those of you that don't know, you haven't seen Phil today. Phil got in a I don't want to say car accident because that makes people scared. He popped a tire in a city far away and he couldn't get home. So that's why he's not here. I wasn't sure those were going to, I wasn't sure that the points were going to be on the board, but they are. With all that said, ADHD, back on track. Successful goal construction and completion takes God's sovereignty into account. You see, as human beings, we should make plans. We should have goals. It's what moves us forward in life. If we never had something that we were striving for, we would never go anywhere. We would just sit around on our couches, watching Netflix, 
and eating bags of chips, entire bags of chips. So we need goals, we need plans, but God's leadership must always supersede our own. It must always take precedence. So it's important, hear me on this, it's important that our goals are flexible. It is important that our goals are flexible because in the end, even if we make the best laid out plans, even if we have thought about every single curveball and change up and turn and thing that can happen, sometimes God's purpose for our plans are different than our own. We can't become so attached to a plan. We can't become so attached to a goal that the need to change them becomes devastating. How many of you would say that you're there? You don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you would say that you're there? You have a goal, you have a plan, you have something in mind that you want to happen. It's not working out. It has to change and it just devastates you. What am I supposed to do now? I had my heart set on this thing and now I have to change it. You know what's worse than a goal becoming devastating to us? than a plan becoming devastating to us when we have to change it? When a goal or a plan is unchangeable to us. When God says, you need to go here, you need to do this, and we say, that's not my plan, I will not. That is not what I thought my life would turn out to be, isn't gonna happen. Then just like Jonah, our own fish comes along and swallows us whole. We can't be unmovable, we cannot be unchangeable. To take it back to the road trip analogy, if I'm traveling and I get an alert that there's a five hour delay on my planned route, it would make perfect sense for me to be able to change that route, to be able to change that direction, to be able to go another way if it's gonna save me time, if it's gonna make things better. The next thing we need to know about goals is that we have to be open to the unintended consequences of our goals. You know, when we make a goal, we make a plan, we always do it for a certain reason. We always have a certain end game in mind. But as I said, the Lord's purpose will prevail. Sometimes, and it should shock none of us, God's planned outcome for something that we have started, for a journey that we are on, may be very different than our own. It may be different than what we had in mind. Rather than finding ourselves frustrated, rather than being devastated, rather than being unmovable, because we didn't get from it what we wanted to get from it, we should celebrate what God brought about for us. Because doing so shows our faith and trust in the Lord, and it's an encouragement to others. It's an encouragement to others. And as a member of a team, what better way to help a team than to be an encouragement to others? Now, I know I take everything back to football. I'm still young enough that football was the first thing in the majority of my life, okay? Like, it it was my deal. I played football because I thought it was fun, I loved the game, and I liked hitting people. It's not much deeper than that. It really isn't. People want to like dissect it and what need did you have? And I loved it. It was fun. I like hitting people. That's all there was for me. That's the reason I started. That's the reason I started. 
But the life lessons that I learned from playing that game are lessons I still carry with me today. Lessons about teamwork, lessons about perseverance, lessons about mental toughness, lessons about working to accomplish something bigger than myself, respect for authority, communication. I'll never forget when I started seventh grade football and it was harder than anything I'd ever done before because I'd only played Mighty Mites and Mighty Mites is kind of like, hey, come out here and hit one another and drink some water and have fun and then we'll go play games and yay, okay? When you get to seventh grade, all of a sudden the coaches yell a lot more and, and, and they expect a lot more out of you and they run you a lot more. And I'm gonna tell you guys, this may shock you, but I was an extremely fat little kid and running was not high on my priority list. And so when I was forced to run sprints and snakes and all other kinds of different running, it seemed to me at the time like hell on earth. And I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. And I told my coach, coach, I'm gonna quit. And I remember Coach Lindsey from Reed Middle School, I think still works there as a PE teacher. I remember he came up to me and he said, Paul, I know it's hard. I know you want to quit. I know that right now you're not having fun. But when you start something as a man, you need to finish it. If you don't want to play next year, don't play next year. But you started this year, so you finish out the year. That lesson has always been in my brain. When I start something, I intend to finish it. If it's not working out for me, I will get through that commitment and then I'll change accordingly. But if I've already started the, the journey, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. That's something I got from the game of football I never intended to get. As you've heard before, I also broke my back playing football. Definitely not what I intended. I never got into the game of football thinking, you know, it would be really cool if I broke my back. Not part of the plan, but it saved my life by forcing me to change my focus, to change my outlook, to, to think about things that really, truly had lasting consequences and that really mattered. And it taught, it taught me about not letting circumstances define me. That having a broken back is not who I am, that being a football player was not who I am, that even though I'm down and I'm depressed and I don't like where life is, that's not where it's always going to be. I don't have to be defined by it. That doesn't have to be my, destini my, my, my definition. I don't have to stay there. It's not my final destination. It taught me more about the love of Christ than everything working out exactly as I had planned ever could. And I am thankful for that. But all those things I just discussed, unintended consequences. My goal was to have fun. My goal was to hit people. It wasn't very deep, but it changed my life. You see, it's often those unintended consequences that have the greatest impact on our lives, that make the greatest change in our lives. If we look at Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, we may be looking for one outcome, but God has something completely different in mind. So as we look at those broad things about goals, I thought we'd get into some specific goals that I have for Crosspoint. As your head pastor, 
as the leader, so to speak, of our team. Three goals that I have for Crosspoint that I think are really important. First, to always have someone to minister to children and youth and to make them a priority. I'm not talking about the person ministering. I'm talking about the children and youth, just so we know. That is a goal for me because Crosspoint cannot look as a church in our history and say that we've always done that. We haven't. But I think if you look at Scripture, I think that children are set apart. If we look at Matthew 18, 1 through 14, it's not going to be up on the board. It's a long chapter. I'm just going to kind of summarize. It explains that the spirit of a child is one to emulate. The spirit of a child is one to strive after. It goes so far as to say that we have to become like children just to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a child. And it says this. This is one of the most important things I think it oftentimes get looks over. It says that welcoming a child is the same as welcoming Jesus. His words are, every time you welcome one of them, you welcome me. Every time you welcome one of them, you welcome me. Jesus then goes on to make a threat. I don't know how many times in scripture he did this, but he goes on to threaten those listening to say that if you would bring any harm to a child, then the person that did that will be dealt with most harshly. He actually says it would be better for them to be forcibly drowned than for them to harm a child. And then it further goes on to explain that God chases after them. He chases after the children like a shepherd who is missing a sheep and how he will leave all else behind just to go and find one of them. And then we have Proverbs 22, 6, which says that if we start children off on the way they should go, even when they are old, they will not turn from it. See, Scripture makes it very clear to me that children are a priority. And if they're a priority to God, then they must be a priority to us. And if you look at successful churches, successful churches, the one thing that they will have in common is that they have made an investment in their children and in their youth. They have made an investment in their future and in their future's foundation. If we want to be successful as Crosspoint Fellowship, we must continue to strive to do everything in our power to support our children and to support our youth and the leaders who are in charge of ministering to them and it makes a lot of sense if we just look at it logically. When you raise a child from a young and early age to know Jesus, and they actually make that connection, and they have that meeting with him, and they start to build that relationship with him, you know what happens? You now have someone who has a lot more years to spread the kingdom. You now have an individual who has a lot more time to choose second so that others can be first, so that others can know Jesus. It is vital to the success of any church, and it will be vital to us as well. Here's my second goal for Crosspoint. My second goal for Crosspoint is to have a, a, a strong presence in our small group setting. For us, that's the gathering. And some of you may say, well, if everybody comes, is it still a small group? And I will tell you, yes. 
because it's about the setting and it's about the change and it's about what takes place on a Wednesday night that doesn't take place on a Sunday morning. I already said this once today, but I'm going to say it again. The gathering from 6.15 to 8.15, it is worth your time. Pastor, don't we already have a strong presence? We sure do. That doesn't mean that it can't be stronger. That doesn't mean that you're not welcome. It doesn't mean that we couldn't use you as well. Because you're all welcome, and we want you all to be a part of it. Is it difficult to get there sometimes? Absolutely. I know some of you don't get off till 6. I know some of you don't get off till 6.30 sometimes. I know some of you have to travel a really long way to get here. And it may seem that it's not going to work out. But we're here for two hours. And so I would encourage you to come while you can. If you can't show up till 7.30 and you have to leave at 8, come for 30 minutes. You'll get no judgment here. We just want to see you. We just want to build a relationship with you. We want you to be a part of it. Come when you can. Leave when you have to. Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Why are you putting so much pressure on me to be here on a Wednesday night when I work all day and when I get off so late? Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man, one person sharpens another. And we look at Proverbs 13, 20, and it says, If we walk with the wise and become wise, if we walk, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, we have some fools on Wednesday night, but that's really just me. The majority of them are very wise individuals. And I want to be very clear that right now, this is intended to be an encouragement and not a guilt trip. It's intended to be an encouragement and not a guilt trip because I think it's so important. It provides an environment for you to be with like-minded individuals who have the same ending destination in mind, but who have had different stops along the way to get there, whose journey hasn't been the same exact journey that you have traveled. And as people, we help one another improve through discussions and criticisms and suggestions and ideas and questions. We have a chance to influence one another for the better, and that's a beautiful thing. That's the greatest part about being a part of a team is that you're not in it alone and you have that support, and you have people that are willing to challenge you, and you have people that are willing to try and make you better. So I think it's important that you're there because you're not going to get that same shaping. You're not going to get that same change in your life if you are without that influence, if you're without that time with your church family. It's a lot different than having to sit there and try to stay awake while I'm preaching. I think that a lot of you will find it a lot more enjoyable. And I'm okay with that. But come, be a part of it. Be a part of it. I think that these goals are so important because they support my final goal for our church, and that's to regularly lead people into relationships with Christ. I think any healthy, successful church can say this about themselves, that we regularly lead people into relationships with Christ. 
If we look at Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20, the passage, you're going to be like, how does this have to do with what we're talking about? But I'll explain. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Pastor, isn't this passage just about false prophets? Yes, it is specifically about false prophets. But there is a measuring tool that we are given in this passage that is oh so powerful. You see, a good tree will bear good fruits, and we will know others by the fruit that they bear. That is on an individual level. That is on an organizational level. We will know people by the fruit that they bear. We will know people by what comes out of them. And I think this is a really good tool for spiritual health. If we are a good tree that is bearing good fruit, then we will regularly see people come to know Jesus. Which is why it's so important to have strong children's programs. Why it's so important to support our youth. Because in the end, this is the goal that we have for them. See, thistles don't give grapes. Thistles don't give figs. If you don't know what a thistle is, it's this really nasty weed plant thing that can grow to be really tall and it's got these sticky nasty burrs all over it and it's just gross and they're invasive and if you have one, before you know it, you'll have a thousand. And then it ruins your baseball season. Just kidding. Right? Thistles, these ugly, nasty, weedy, gross bushes that you don't want to be around, don't give you good things. It's impossible. Only healthy vines or trees can do that. I know, thistles are awful, Ellie. I was trying to say. She is so cute. Lasting churches. Back to me now. I want the attention. <laughs> Lasting churches, churches that make an impact, churches that are around for a while, make an impact and are around for a while because they give life. And dying ones don't. Dying ones don't. So are we helping others find Jesus? Are we helping those who have already found Jesus get closer to him. If we will do these things, I think that we're going to find success as a church team. If we'll make our foundation a priority. If we'll make our future a priority. If we'll make ourselves a priority, because that's really what small group is about. It's about making yourself, your spiritual walk, a priority. And if we'll look to lead others into relationship with our God, then we will be a successful church regardless of whatever measuring tool and barometer someone may use. Let's do these three things. 
Let's work together for our future, for our good, and for the good of the one who loves us more than anything else in the world. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. I hope, God, that people are able to see how they can apply it to their life, how they can apply it to their friendships, how they can apply it to their marriages, how they can apply it to their job situation. That, God, when we work towards common goals, as stated elsewhere in the series, it it helps unify us. God, help us to identify things that are going to support our mission, that are going to support our ending destination, which is to choose second so that others can be first, so that they can know you. Because at the end of the day, God, I don't care what's said about me. I don't care what's remembered about me. I only care that my life led others to know you. And I know sometimes, just like everyone here, I let things get in the way of that. I would pray in those instances, you strip me of myself and my selfishness. That you burden my heart to rid my life of all those things that would pull me away from that purpose. Because at the end of the day, to be the team that I want Crosspoint to be, we have to put you first. Lead us always into that type of relationship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to be standing down front up here while we worship with this next song. If you need to come pray with me about anything, please do so. Please do so. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you that it is the best thing that you could ever do. I firmly believe that with all that I am. It is the best thing that you could ever do to choose to be Christ. Otherwise, stand now and let's just worship God. Let's pour it all out to Him. Because He is worth it.